0: Come, Holy Spirit, and enkindle in the hearts of your faithful the fire of your love. Amen. Good evening, Trinity Church. Good evening. In 587 BC, that is before the Common Era, following the deportations of Jewish kings from Jerusalem, the Babylonians conquered the holy city and destroyed its temple. This destruction of Solomon's grand achievement traditionally marks the beginning of the Babylonian exile, that period of roughly 70 years during which the Jewish people lived in diaspora, separated from one another and from their ancestral homeland. The Babylonian exile ended when the Persian king Cyrus the Great conquered Babylon and, by his decree, allowed the Jewish people's return to Jerusalem. Less than a generation after the decree of Cyrus, the returning exiles laid a new temple's foundation sometime between 520 and 515 BC, beginning the period known to the religious academy as Second Temple Judaism, that stretch of Jewish history into which Jesus would be born. Today's lesson from Nehemiah Narrates a moment not long after the laying of those first stones. The detail on the first day of the seventh month locates the event in early fall, in September or October of our calendar. And despite the faraway setting, the form of their worship should sound familiar. The people gather, and Ezra, the priest, reads from Scripture. When Ezra opens the book, the people stand. And when he finishes the reading, he praises God. In response to this blessing, the people answer, Amen, Amen. And Ezra gives the sense of the reading, aiding the people's understanding before he and the whole congregation bow together in common prayer. Aside from the details of preaching carrying on for hours and the people ecstatically raising their hands, church behaviors we Episcopalians tend to view at best as impolite, we can recognize glimmers of ourselves in these Jew- Jewish liturgics from 2,600 years ago. While we do not know exactly the condition of either Jerusalem or this nascent second temple in the particular moment we hear from Nehemiah today. The short book of the prophet Haggai, penned during these same years, complains that the house of the Lord still lies in ruins while the returning exiles worry more about themselves and the rebuilding of their own homes than rebuilding the temple of their God. Upon hearing stories of their former glory, a reading from the law, The people of this evening's appointment weep complicated tears. Some in that old congregation weep tears of relief. For their turn in fortune seems scarcely less than a miracle. They have returned to Jerusalem. They have reunited with family, long feared lost. They have begun rebuilding the altar of their temple, and they have even raised new walls for the city, signs and symbols that this hopeful new season might endure. Yet others weep tears of defiance. For after all, it's been a long time. Seventy years, in fact, since these people lived in Jerusalem. And in the process of making do, well, they started new lives. With a new and different order. Without the temple to center their piety... They have found God at work where they lived. They married the people of the lands where they found themselves. And they worry that the old robes and the old rituals will not fit their new habits. Finally, still others weep tears of a faithful bewilderment. A faithful bewilderment upon hearing their people's former glory. Even appreciating how far they have recently come, they also understand just how far they still have to go. They have faithfully given so much to raise even the humble dais upon which Ezra and Nehemiah now stand. And the work before them just seems so much, so big. And even as the righteous vision of a second temple captures their heart and imagination... Their vision looms with overwhelm and worry. Can it be done? Can we do it? While we have not suffered the brutal exile of our forebears in faith, the people of our day are living through a diaspora of a kind. All of us. In varying measures, are experiencing loss and separation. Grief and lonesomeness. Buckled as we are into the anxieties of this roller coaster Omicron surge, in combination with the dread of the pandemic's fast-approaching two-year anniversary, our feelings are intensifying and our reactivity is quickening. And in these days, we, too, cry complicated tears. Surely, we cry tears of relief as well, relief that we have made it this far. Remaining mindful, as always, of those who have suffered far more than what we have endured, we daily lay the foundation for life beyond COVID, stone by stone and mask by mask, vaccine by vaccine. And we weep with amazement at the opportunity to worship together in person in this treasure temple. Weep with amazement at in-person reunions with family and friends and even the possibility to dare travel plans, all of which not so long ago seemed painfully far away and not at all certain. We also cry tears of defiance about the prospect of returning to a 2019 world, for after all, it has been a long time since we lived in that former Jerusalem that we shared. Our work-from-home lives have found new rhythms and brought unexpected blessings. And no matter their imperfections, they have become our custom, if not our preference. Indeed, many of us worry that our old robes and certainly our non-elastic britches will no longer fit in this new day. And we weep in opposition to restarting the grind of the commute. Weep in opposition to that frenetic pace that too often led to our collective brokenness rather than our shared wellness. And we too cry tears of faithfulness bewilderment. Appreciating how far we have come, we begin the reconciliation of these last years, begin tallying their consequence, taking stock of ourselves, of those we love, and of these institutions that give our lives their most precious meaning. And we sense just how much we have changed, how much the world has changed. And for us within the Christian ark and in the body of Christ here at Trinity Church in the city of Boston, we appreciate the high stakes of this moment, understand that the very viability of our traditions are in the balance. And we weep with overwhelm. Yes, we aspire a a faithful renewal, yet we also recall that rebuilding the second temple took 600 years. And we realize we cannot take that long to get it right. And so we worry. Can it be done? Can we do it? Ezra and Nehemiah speak into all these tears. They face these worries and these great wonders, and they encourage their community, saying, Do not mourn or weep. Importantly, the governor and the priest do not call for a distraction from the real difficulties of their collective circumstance. They do not call for their community to ignore either their personal situations or the legion feelings that the people have about them. Rather, they announce urgency for finding joy in their daily bread. They declare that the people's path to restoration is through their challenges, through greeting each moment as nothing less than the day of the Lord. Not the first day, not the last day, but a good day. One meriting acknowledgement as holy. Holy. Trinitarians, as it it was with them, so it must be with us. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And with this kindest, gentlest of subversions, let us reverse the expected salvation economy. And by the righteous power of lives lived in love... Let us declare that joy will no longer follow God's blessing. Indeed, may our brave joy announce God's blessing, participate in God's blessing, advance God's blessing. Our joy coming first. For whatever is to come next in this season or beyond the pandemic, Postponing our joy until some glorious goodness arrives will antagonize a blessed outcome and not bring it nearer. Indeed, we must dare joy now. Even in this moment of anxiety and reactivity. Greeting meanness with grace. Cruelty with constancy. Fear with hope. And as the lesson concludes, eating the fat and drinking the sweet wine and sending to those for whom nothing is prepared a portion of our table's abundance, then we will establish God's favor. For this is the day holy to our God, and it should not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord will be our strength. By this, our renewal can be achieved. Indeed, we can do it. For joy, now and in the life of the world to come. Amen.